Hello and welcome to Reconsidering WCW Nitro, presented by Russell Wolf. I don't know. I still don't know what the name of this podcast is. I'm Dr. Damien Gibson and joining me as always is the man who only deals in kayfabe and anything adjacent to kayfabe, it's Sir Matthew Kayfabe. I feel like the anything adjacent to kayfabe is becoming more of the stuff that I deal in, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Most of my business Wrestling- is kayfabe based, at least initially. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's harder and harder in the wrestling world to to deal purely in kayfabe, right? Well, it's important to diversify because as we've all learned from this global <laughs> pandemic, like if you just deal in one particular thing, you could end up in a lot of trouble. Whereas if you've got a diverse portfolio, mm. then you're really, you're fine. I don't really know much about stocks or the financial markets. <laughs> um, yeah. Never take any financial advice that you hear on a WrestleWolf podcast. <laughs> Particularly not from a man with the surname Kayfabe. That would be my uh, yeah. strong advice. Yeah, I'm going to go see my broker, <laughs> Matthew Kayfabe. <laughs> <laughs> or my lawyer's Kayfabe, Kayfabe and son. <laughs> uh, all right, let's... Um, it's a weird time in Nitro history, right? Like, I don't know if you've got the same thing as me, but I'm I'm like a petulant child that just <laughs> wants to see the NWO. <laughs> and even though, I mean, there's a Chris Benoit-Eddie Guerrero match on this on this show. Mm. Didn't really care. The- didn't really care. I mean, was it a good match? Absolutely. <laughs> did, all, uh, did I want to see what Kevin and Ash and, and Scott Hall were doing up on the roof of Disney World? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> do, do you want me to quickly melt it before you go through the card? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've, it's a uh, given. It's a light week on television. It's a light week for Meltzer as well. Uh, mm. There's only really two bits of interest, and they're both in the WWF. Uh, McMahon is making an effort to sign a lot of the key guys to five year deals, as he apparently wants to avoid more Hall and Nash situations. Um, wow, this kind of works for him. There's not like a big, you know, the Rock, Stone Cold, Undertaker, the Shawn Michaels, the big, the big, big names, other than Bret Hart, mm. which he intentionally sort of sends to WCW. Uh, there's not really any other big, you know, you got Jeff Jarrett, Ted DiBiase, uh, you know, mm. it's the the ultimate worry is going to pop up at some Rick point. Rude. <laughs> yes, God. Oh, I can't. Yeah, that's that must be happening in the next week or two. It'll be soon. Yeah. Um, there's not there's not a lot of a lot of people jumping over and certainly not really any people that are going to make the impact that Kevin Nash and Scott all did. Um, mm. And the other one is that the one two three kid was given his release and he's expected to join WCW's Outsiders. Uh, he's going to. This is the rare time that Dave gets a prediction in WCW <laughs> right. Dave's usually so pessimistic on WCW that like he just can't. You know, even his like sort of tea leave reading is always a bit wrong. Does he come across as super negative towards WCW or? Yeah. Okay. He doesn't like either WWF. It's quite amazing that this American man, American male, has uh, (laughs) made a career (laughs) off, off writing about professional wrestling in America. And it really only seems that he likes, you know, Japan and Japanese wrestling. Like he's got a bit of the good boy vibes yeah. about him. Um, yeah, he, he, yeah, he is that guy who will just 
like try and out nerd everyone at the table. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, everyone teases Dave for that. But that's weird. I would have thought that he would have liked WCW because it was in opposition to WWE, but he just no. hates anything that's. He, sh- he shat all over. Uh, he was he was pretty unhappy with that. Uh, the pay-per-view because he thought the Hulk Hogan heel turn was good, but that it overshadowed what was an otherwise excellent Psychosis and Rey Mysterio match. So that right, sort of says okay. a lot about who Dave Meltzer is. God, imagine being at the pub with him afterwards. You know what I mean? There's like 15 I, uh, of you, everyone's freaking out. You know what I mean? Oh, my God, Hulk Hogan fucking turned heel. It happened, man. It happened. Someone's like, yeah, well, I think it overshadowed the psychosis. <laughs> Someone's like, I think that, that haven't, didn't they have a match on um, 14th of May? And Jave's like, mm, uh, ooh, sorry, that's uh, thir- 13th. Sorry, you bought, you mentioned that. That was uh, thir- 13th of May, 13th. Nightmare. Yeah, and what usually that would be six minutes after after he's finished rustling through his papers and they've moved on. <laughs> he's like, before you mentioned 14th of May, it was 13th of May. 13th. My, uh, one of my favourite things to do with wrestling now, because uh, I don't get people's opinions via the internet anymore since uh, since Bumpgate, since I like <laughs> lost my shit about the Chris Jericho bump. Uh, but I still watch people on YouTube. Mm. But I refuse to. You've you've shelled out for the the Dave, the Dave Meltzer website. Yeah, I refuse to do that. But I will watch six, seven, eight minute snippets of Brian Alvarez losing his shit over <laughs> stuff. It's I, I find it so entertaining. <laughs> but what I've noticed recently is that he keeps throwing in little conversations. He's like, you know, I, I was arguing with Dave about this last night. So I don't. <laughs> it I, sounds like Dave can be a pretty painful dude. Yeah, I don't. I don't listen to the podcast anymore because it was so painful. Uh, but the thing about it was Alvarez was worse than Meltzer because Alvarez just hates everything, and was and like every time, like even Dave would be like, "Well, I you know, that's, AEW a bit." Oh, they they both like AEW, but they hate everything on WWE, and like Alvarez would go so far into like. Just like he'd be like, oh, you know, this tribal chief stuff, like, you know, all, even the good stuff in WWE shit on. And Dave would be like, oh, look, you know, I think that that sort of makes sense in, in a way. He'd be like, Dave, it doesn't. And he starts to get like angry at Dave. <laughs> he gets so angry. I love it. He's such an angry, angry little man. <laughs> <He really is. laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Uh, Ted DiBiase showed up on NXT this week. So I think I might watch a WWE pay-per-view this weekend. <laughs> I might watch in your house, the, but anyway, I uh, I was thinking about this the other day because I was like, isn't it funny that they're still running this like million dollar man thing, and it's never, it's literally it's never worked. Maybe we should talk about that on the weekly show. Let's let's, Probably, yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about the let's talk about WCW. <laughs> it's actually a good thing to do. Yeah, um, is that everything Dave had to say? That's it about that's, this. That's week? all we got from. From Uncle yeah, David. Fair enough. It's nothing's really going on. And as you, as we'll, we'll go through the card, you guys will see why. <laughs> uh, we start with a tag team match between the Steiner brothers, yay, and uh, versus uh, beat Fire and Ice. Woo! Um, Fire, Fire and Ice are breaking up, <laughs> and Teddy Long's involved. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, single match: uh, Dean Malenko defeated Billy Kidman. We got to see Billy Kidman wrestle, sort of. Has he? Have we seen him yet? Uh, we've seen on him Nitro. Yeah, we've seen him a couple of times pop up. I think this is his second or third Nitro appearance, but this oh, is his right. first like not complete squash match. 
Uh, yeah, it's interesting to see him as like this weird sort of all-American. It's like when almost like pretty boy jock character. <laughs> Chris Jericho's moments from coming in, and it's not the Chris Jericho that we're all going to fall in love with. Even in W, it's not even WCW's Chris Jericho. It's it's Lionheart Chris Jericho, and he's exactly like Billy Kidman is here. Like he's he's like he's in Wasp or something. Um, yeah, it's it's like it's bizarre. Uh, it's just white bread mm. by the numbers, like. 80s baby face, but it's yeah. 1996. And <laughs> him and Kidman are both going to be like, I mean, Kidman's going to, Chris Jericho's going to leave and become the first WWF Universal Champion. And Billy Kidman's going to face Hulk Hogan and lose for the title in a few years. Mm, to beat Stone Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock in one night. Mm. Billy, uh, weirdly, I would have probably said at a certain point, in about a year, a year and a half, I think I would have backed Kidman to have a bigger future than Jericho. But anyway. Oh, uh, absolutely. Kidman was huge. Mm. Uh, anyway, I'm sure we'll spend years talking about Billy Kidman getting buried <laughs> in WCW. <laughs> uh, Dean Malenko is going to join the Dungeon of Doom. Anyway, we'll get to that. Uh, this is the most... Um, Kevin Sullivan match on the card, Harlem Heat versus uh, Beat. Um, so they're being managed by S- Sister Sherry, but also the Colonel? <laughs> question mark. Uh, Harlem Heat defeated Rough and Ready, Dick Slater, and Mike Enos, um, who is also made. It doesn't matter. It was a title match. Uh, the Harlem Heat still have the titles. We'll move on. <laughs> uh, a women's single singles match. Medusa defeated. Um, uh, Malia Hasaka. Uh, then another singles match. Meng defeated Arn Anderson. Ooh, this, uh, this, Eddie Guerrero. This, this match went for about eight minutes too long. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Eddie Guerrero, <laughs> Eddie Guerrero defeated Chris Benoit by countout. Uh, and then uh, Big Bubba Rogers defeated Lex Luger by DQ, but that means Lex Luger is still television champion. Didn't he lose that? belt at some point anyway um but really ultimately uh besides the fact that i think dean malenko is going to join the did does dean malenko join the dungeon of doom uh i don't remember i genuinely don't i don't like me either i was like what what's going on here this is weird most of the time when you see people talking about misusing talents, like I've made this argument before on our weekly show that usually Mm. those talents it's 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 that they actually might not have the ceilings we think they have. Like, sometimes they prove us wrong. Like, you know, Miro got off to a rough start in AEW and is now absolutely killing it, um, you know. But off quite often, these people, you know, Matt Hardy in WWE, Matt Hardy in AEW, that's probably about the ceiling of Matt Hardy at this point in his career. Like, we don't need, you know, Matt Hardy yeah. main event broadways. Uh, you may be heightening the particular wrestler's ceiling because you, for whatever reason, mm. you love them. Like, uh, uh, like a, probably a perfect example for me would be like either Dan Housen or Warhorse, <laughs> right? Like, I love them so much, I would make them a heavyweight champion <laughs> in any organization. But that would probably be a dumb thing to do. I mean, your uh, your Warhorse uh, beating uh, Roman Reigns in. <laughs> On, yeah, on his I debut. Would. I absolutely would. And then I'd have to face the fucking shareholders <laughs> like two weeks later. I'd be like, why Why do we have seven subscribers to the WWE Network? <laughs> the, uh, 
Dean Malenko is legitimately the person, and I think I'm going to say this for the next couple of years pretty uh, full on. By the time, like, I understand that he does look like, even more than Arn Anderson, he looks like someone's dad. Uh, like, mm. it's it's confronting how much of a, like, he, he's got the Ringwood over 30s basketball team vibe where he smells a little bit like bourbon because he's had a can of Jack and Coke before starting. And he's like, he can't jump, but he's got those sort of old man moves and he's too rough. And he like holds your shorts when you go to jump. <laughs> um, but fuck, he's the most under, he might actually be the, the, the true most underutilized talent in wrestling history. Yeah, I have a another sort of uh, analogy for that for a suburban sporting mm. analogy where like you're playing suburban cricket and you have the opposition like five for fifty and you're like, well, this is going to be an early day, and then Dean Malenko strides out to the <laughs> crease and you're like, well, well, we'll get him out for cheap, and then like you know, uh, 180 runs later, the um, the sl- it's a 42 <laughs> degree day. This guy just will not go out. <laughs> the uh. The slow build of the NWO is, like, this episode, literally all that happens is that yeah. Hall and Nash uh, cover the WCW uh, things with a, with a thing, with a, with bed sheets with poorly written yeah, NWO like, written yeah, on them. really poorly done graffiti. <laughs> um, that's a pretty big deal. Like, it is, yeah. They don't, they don't give you it much. They give you a bit of Hulk Hogan. Oh, at the at the end of this episode. Mm. Well, that that's really my only note from the whole episode. Besides, when I drifted off while Arn Anderson was wrestling, and I <laughs> went and I went to the Rest Wolf Library to find out what was happening that week outside of wrestling. But I thought for the first sort of you know because uh, outside of them putting the outside, pardon <laughs> the pun, uh, um, outside Scott and Kevin putting the the bed sheets over the WCW logo. Mm. When they were just hanging around the limo and stuff, I was like, uh, I'm so preconditioned to seeing the same beat in a story over and over and over again. I started tuning out because I was like, uh, it's just Kevin and because they were like, oh, who's in the limo? I'm like, no one will be in the limo. Mm-hmm. It's just Kevin and Scott. They'll come out. They'll beat someone up and then. You know, they'll beat Lex up and then they'll go away again. Mm. What I did like about this was that it was height. It was kind of the same beat, but heightened. Like Hulk comes out, they beat down Lex Luger, who's the face, supposedly. And then they also beat down Bubba, who's the heel, Mm. showing that, like, everyone's on notice. (laughs) Like, they're going to beat up everybody in WCW. I really like that. Like, it's Mm. that what you were saying last week about the slow drip feed of the story is gen- genuinely just good story, like not even just wrestling good storytelling. It's good episodic television mm. storytelling to the point where I was like, oh, man, this is a pretty boring episode of Nitro. And then by the end of it, again, like what we've been saying for the last two months, basically, <laughs> the last 10 to 20 minutes of every episode, you're like, holy shit, this is mm. this is great. And then you're just super excited to see what happens. And that's next week. And we get the debut of like ho- like heel mm. Hollywood Hogan. He's all in black. He's got the black bandana. He's got the cool 80s graffiti on, on his weights belt that says Hulkster. <laughs> and, and we're going to hit a point with WCW where 
the the NWO is literally the whole show. Like it is NWO B team, NWO's Black and White, NWO Wolfpack, uh, the LWO. Like you know, it is. It becomes absurd and not particularly fun. Uh, <laughs> Did you see during the week that uh, Ray Mysterio was uh, talking about how the LWO could work now? now? Hmm. Well, you know, give it a go. He thinks it was a good gimmick, just like it just was, you know, lost in a sea of factions at the time, but he genuinely thinks it could be good. And I was like, it could be, but it you'd have to be very careful about the <laughs> yeah. way a Latino, you know, faction was portrayed. And I, you know, not to be too woke about it, but I don't trust Vince McMahon, an 85-year-old white Republican man who's friends with Donald Trump to mm. get the nuances of what it's like to be a Latino no, he's not, in America in 2021. <laughs> he's not Cody Rhodes who completely understands all uh, all marginalised Yeah, well, I'm not saying Cody gets it either, <laughs> but I, I'm not saying AEW. Well, I, yeah. Uh, 100% like they would have the LWO with Cody as the leader. <laughs> <laughs> it would be amazing. It would be amazing, but there's a naivety to Cody where you wouldn't hate him. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't cancel him for it. It'd just be like, oh, Cody, come on, man. Yeah, like, he gen- he genuinely he- thinks he's, you know, the f- he's like, why is Andrade the face of Latinos? <laughs> Do they know I have a half African baby? TK, it's Cody. Uh, I'm just a little worried about uh, Andrade being the face of uh, <laughs> Latin America. He's, he's, Do you think it would be better if maybe I got like a Latin heat, Cody Rhodes Latin heat t-shirt? <laughs> Latino heat. He's, uh, he's sitting there wearing his pride t-shirt, uh, you know. <laughs> It's all from a good place. He just oh, doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't get when he, he has the best. <laughs> the best one remains him having the Cody was the only other than AEW itself, the face of black. The face of black, black history. history <laughs> <laughs> and he's so he's so white. He's so white. He looks like fucking Drago from Rocky Four. Yeah, he's not only he's not only like he's so white that he's like his. Backstory is that like he was he's a second generation wrestling family like one of the greatest wrestlers of all time like you know <laughs> wealthy yeah he's the son of the American dream yeah <laughs> no African American wrestler or human is the embodiment of the American dream no it's not it's not it just can't <laughs> happen it just well not yet anyway. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned that you tuned out during Arn. What what have you got? What what was your tune out? Yeah, well, hopefully I try. Yeah, usually I'm looking for like bad stuff, mm. right? Because that's way more fun um, than uh, good stuff. Because mm. good stuff is just like, oh, well, this album was released, and both was go, oh, that was a good album. I listened <laughs> to that. Um, but as far as the albums are concerned, uh, Melvin's release Stag this oh, week. Yeah. I like the Melvins. I'm not sure if you're a, a Melvins dude. I'm, I'm not a big Stag fan, but I do like the Melvins. Yeah, critics. A uh, Metacritic score of 53. Yikes. Uh, Lush released 500. Uh, only reason I bring that up is because they were part of the Britpop wave, and I had a massive crush on them at the time. I was going to say um, I don't know who Lush are. They had this one. 
song. I mean, they had one song that was slightly a hit on Triple J called Lady Killer, which was literally just about being a girl in a club and being hit on by arseholes. Uh, it's quite funny and uh, like a cool little pop song. Um, Ween released 12 oh. Golden Country Greats. Now, that's, um, that's an album. <laughs> just being Ween, where it's like, you do a country album. <laughs> Uh, I uh, Plessy. I showed my wife once uh, the Ween song. Uh, I think it's called Your Party. Mm. And she was sitting there the whole time. And then it, when it finished, she was silent for a moment. She was like, what the fuck was that song? And I was like. I think that's everyone's reaction when they hear Ween for the first time, right? It, they're just, they're so good. They're, like, they're amazing. They're like better than Wilco. I just said that to be very different bands. I just, <laughs> I just said that to be controversial. Wilco's like <laughs> in my top five favorite bands of all time. The one thing that is amazing about Ween is that um, I mean I don't know how much of this is true, but they they constantly talk about how they basically were learning how to play music on the fly when they were like they were learning their instruments properly as they go as they went along. Mm. But like every album is essentially a different genre, and they do it really well like you know the white boy soul of freedom 76 to like just pure pop of like their later career and then like there's a country album 12 country golden greats which is actually a good country record yeah, up a rope is legitimately a great song yeah uh they're amazing uh placebo released their first uh album placebo self-titled i i got uh, real you- real into placebo I really liked Placebo as well. Uh, our friend Dave, who I keep mentioning on the podcast, who you guys don't know, but I talk <laughs> as if you should know him. It's, it's I think his second favorite band behind Iron Maiden. Really A weird couple. Of, he yeah. Well, if what he puts on when he's drunk is anything to go by, <laughs> it's Iron Maiden and Placebo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Tonic released Lemon Parade. Remember Tonic? No, I don't. Oh, what was the uh, the single? What was the? Oh God, now I don't have this in front of me. I'm pretty sure the single was like, uh, "I could take you high." Oh my <laughs> God! Yeah, I that is an awful song. Yeah, terrible. It was it was uh, the beginning of the next four or five years of like corporate Pearl Jams. You know, I like, thought Pearl Jam like, was the beginning of that. Get out of here, will you? Uh, no, like, uh, obviously, people like Soundgarden and Pearl Jam had sold a lot of fucking records, mm. and so record companies were scrambling to, like, oh, people want to hear guys who sing like that yeah. with dirty guitars in the well, background. Well, Soundgarden were even good. <laughs> fucking unbelievable. Uh, anyway, films is a little more entertaining. There's a couple of uh, decent films that released this week. Train Spotting, which is actually one of my favourite films of all time. Yep. Uh, the Peter Jackson film The Frighteners with Michael J. Fox. Oh, it's that's, a really that's weird, a movie. interesting, funny horror film if you haven't seen it. Uh, this was before Peter Jackson was all things uh, Tolkien and the Beatles. Um, it's kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly this week with films. So there was those two films that were released. Then Multiplicity, the Michael Keaton film where he plays uh, a whole range of different characters, which I'm sure in 2021 would be extremely problematic at times <laughs> and but that's not even the worst film the worst film that was released is uh and it's wrestling related is kazam starring everyone's favorite aew superstar shaquille o'neal uh i'm not gonna 
I liked Kazam. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I was seven years old and really into basketball when this came out. So I was right at the the coal face of Shaquille Let's O'Neal. Have a, I'm just trying to see if I can find like a Metacritic score or something of Kazam. I've never seen it, but I just I know that that and Steel were kind of the <laughs> beginning and the end of uh, Shaq's film career. According to Rotten Tomatoes, it has an approval rating of 5%. <laughs> five percent. <laughs> five. The IMDb. This is the this is the uh, viewer rating on IMDb, which is always, no matter how bad the film is, at least five point five six. Yeah, always. Yeah, the majority of people are pretty nice. Where they'll be like, "Yeah, they made a movie." You know, <laughs> three, three out of ten on IMDb. <laughs> what I like about it the IMDb- doesn't even have a Metacritic score, man. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Metacritic's are like, no, I'm not bothering with that shit. <laughs> what What I like about you're, you're exactly right about IMDb, where no matter how good, a, uh, how bad a movie is, it's probably sitting around five. But it's also the same mm. as like, no matter how good a movie is, it's sitting on a seven point seven. You're like, oh wow, yeah, that's no. <laughs> That audience score There's no for tens. You know, Godfather Part Two is not great. <laughs> yeah, I think the closest I've seen to a ten is Breaking Bad has like a nine point one or something like that. I'm not that like into nine point one for Breaking Bad. What what else do they have to do? Yeah, to get. <laughs> well, we've got to leave ourselves room for just in case you know something better comes along. <laughs> I guess it's. I guess you're right. It's hopeful. Um, what what is the, the, the Sopranos? I'm just going to quickly check out the Sopranos. I love the Sopranos. No, I'm not. I like the Sopranos more than uh, Breaking Bad. But anyway, I think the acting is more no, fun. Not coming up. Anyway, I'm sure it's like eight point two. You know, like the greatest television show ever made. Mm. Um, but yeah, besides that, there isn't really much happening. Stings in Japan, that was something else that I picked up that I was like, oh, okay. I didn't realise he wrestled in Japan, but that's very interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, just Sullivan's 80s booking really, I think that's the major takeaway for me for this episode is that Sullivan's 80s booking really stood out like dog's balls compared to the NWO stuff. Mm. Yeah, it's it's not good. It just was like your dad's wrestling compared to what you wanted to to watch, and as every anyone who listens to this podcast knows, I like eighties wrestling, but not in nineteen ninety six. Yeah, I think that's in nineteen eighty four where it belongs. <laughs> um, there were just two other things that I noticed, mm. and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, just a couple of crowd things. I like to keep an eye on the crowd, and I like was thinking. Imagine I've only been. To, I went to Disneyland. I was very lucky. I was a very lucky boy. I went to Disneyland as a, an eleven-year-old boy. My sister was seven. It was the greatest like week of our life. Our parents took us to Disneyland. Great parents. I love you. <laughs> um, and it was so exciting. And I could only imagine walking. In, I know Disney World is not Disneyland, but walking into Disney World as like an eleven, twelve-year-old boy who was into wrestling, and WCW is just on, <laughs> like. It's just there for free. Like what? It would just blow your little mind, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Um, there were two nanas in the front row who did not move until the Chris Benoit, uh, Eddie Guerrero match, and then they were just like doing four. They were throwing up four <laughs> horsemen signs. Good on them. <laughs> the whole time. And then they went back to Kev- like Kevin Nash, Scott Hall come out. Nothing. Um. And then they cut to when Scott Hall and Kevin Nash came out. 
to get a reaction shot, they cut to the crowd and there was a whole this would have been my family, to be fair. So I'm only teasing them exactly, because it reminds exactly me of me. Exactly who you're about to talk about. <laughs> We're all wearing with matching Winnie the Pooh <laughs> t shirts. <laughs> you gotta be cool. Oh God. It was it's all it's so adorable and creepy all at the same time. <laughs> But I think we've probably wrapped that. Oh, do we want to see what's on the other? Have you got the other channel? Do we I, know uh, what's going on with <laughs> Raw? I forgot that that was a thing we do, but I can get it really, really quick. I was like, I feel like, the, is there another segment that we do on the show? <laughs> it's a big, big night on uh, Raw. Uh, oh, God. I didn't. It's all right. I couldn't see what was actually on Raw when I was saying that. I was just jazzing to make time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so if it's a shit night, take it as facetiousness. Um, the Intercontinental <laughs> Champion, Ahmed Johnson, mm. defeated WWF Tag Champion, Bart Gunn. Jesus. All right. Uh, yep. Next. <laughs> Mark Merrow defeated TL Hopper. Oh, God. And WWF World Champion, Shawn Michaels, defeated WWF Tag Team Champion, Billy Gunn. Oh. Uh, Shawn Michaels is on it, but I'm watching... WCW for sure. Yep. As good as I'm sure Shawn Michaels versus Billy Gunn would have been in 1996, and I'm sure it would have been. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, what, I'm waiting for Hulk Hogan to leave that limo. I'm not changing the chat. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, tune in next week to find out, will Sting make it back from Japan? What's wrong with Macho Man Randy Savage? Will Dean Malenko join the Dungeon of Doom? <sighs> and other such mysteries that will be resolved <laughs> next week on WCW Nitro.